This is Bob Cudmore. You've tuned in to Episode 6 of my humor book, You Can't Go Wrong. Local flavor is disappearing from upstate businesses. Lou Larowell's days as a bank director are numbered. When the franchise fast food restaurants moved in to replace the mom-and-pop eateries in Nero, old-timers were chagrined but quickly adapted. The grumpy old men who used to meet for breakfast at the Creek Diner now get together at the Golden Arches. So what, they said. The creek had lousy coffee, and at least you can fit on the chairs at the fast food place instead of cramming four guys into one of the creek's charming but tiny painted wooden booths. And if you want local color, they said, you can still go to Joe's Kitchen or even the Four Clover Tavern and get locally made greasy food at bargain prices. Then the Nero hardware, clothing, stationery, and furniture stores shut down in the face of competition from out-of-town malls and big-box retailers like Walmart, Kmart, and Home Depot. So what, the shopper said, a bargain is a bargain. You can't go wrong with Walmart's prices. Lou Larowell's old hardware store in downtown Nero, to name one example, was overpriced, crowded, and confusing, they said. From late summer to fall, it was hard to get to the screws, nails, nuts, and bolts because of the lawn rakes that Lou leaned against the counter with old-fashioned dangling price tags. Sure, Lou was friendly, but he always closed on Saturday at noon and all day Sunday, making it hard when you ran out of paint Saturday afternoon. Lou is one of the grumpy old men now, and hears these complaints from his friends when they get together for coffee at the Arches. Although Lou was strictly retail, he had done well before he closed the store, joined the country club in a decent fraternal organization, regularly attended worship, and some years before he retired, was named to the board of the Nero First National Bank. Lou and the other Nero old-timers have followed with interest the story about the merger between the holding companies that controlled Amsterdam Savings Bank and Amsterdam Federal Savings and Loan. An activist shareholder has brought pressure to bear on the merged bank to look around for an even bigger financial institution to scoop them up. The activist shareholder is now on the new bank's board of trustees. Lou Larowell has a fear that, like his hardware store and the local funeral home that was just bought out by a national chain, Nero First National's days are numbered as a local institution, not to mention his own tenure on the board. He's always enjoyed telling the daily gathering of grumps of the arches that he can't stay late today and he is wearing his suit and tie because, well, you know, the board of directors meets later this morning. He enjoys sitting at the board table and writing on the big lined yellow pads with the pens the bank provides. He'll admit it, being a director, having his picture on the boardroom wall makes him feel important. Lou is having regrets that he voted for the idea that Nero First National should go public. Lou doesn't know if any activist shareholders have purchased the bank holding company stock, which could hasten a takeover by some big bank from outside in light of what's happening in Amsterdam. The truth is that it seems the best way to make money with a going business in a small city at the end of this American century is to sell out to a bigger concern. Now that he's closed the hardware store, Lou might finally decide to move to Florida if some big bank comes in and he loses his seat on the first national board. Lou wouldn't be the first person to leave Nero because he had nothing more to do there, nor will he be the last. A pillar of society is pilloried for being a do-gooder. Whatever the question in Nero, the answer is no. In Nero, any new idea is greeted with distrust and skepticism. Whatever the question, the answer is no. Neroites have many reasons why something shouldn't happen in their city. How could such a thing work in this forsaken place? Who's trying to do this? Will they get some benefit the rest of us will not? When our people came here, we never got the breaks these new immigrants are getting. This could be a scheme to help them. If we try this project and fail, won't we be a laughing stock? It is a vicious circle. To be fair, the negative attitude in Nero stems from the fact that the city has had its share of foolish schemes and connivers. 
Developers and industry have come and gone, taking the tax breaks and leaving the people to fend for themselves. It is hard even for the pure of heart to build faith in the city's future, as a well-heeled and good-natured man recently learned. Lou Larowell, the retired proprietor of a now-defunct downtown hardware store, had hoped to create a winter carnival in Nero this year. Lou enjoys seeing his name in the paper and was hoping for a certain amount of praise for his good works, but believe it or not, and many townspeople did not believe it, Lou was mainly motivated by civic duty and a desire to give Neroites something to do in the cold, drab winter. Lou is part of Nero's small but significant upper crust, but he remembers his roots. When Lou was young, his family lived in a run-down flat with a gas space heater that gave intermittent heat during the cold winter nights. Lou thought that a three-day carnival with ice sculpture contests, snowmobile races, Miss Winter Carnival competition, snowflake ball, free hot chocolate and the like would help make Nero more bearable in the winter. He was willing to foot part of the bill, and he hoped to get a few other people of means involved in supporting the effort. One thing about Nero is that people don't damn new ideas with faint praise. People out-and-out trashed lose hair-brained and cockeyed plot, as they called it. The Nero City Council member with a local political franchise in Vitriol called Lou Devious, a rich man out to make a profit from this winter carnival. Where is this hot chocolate coming from? It's a money-making scheme, the council member told Mike Van Wilson on Mike's talk show on WNRO Radio. Lou Larowell is a fat cat who just doesn't get it, shouted Van Wilson during the next day's promotional announcement for the talk show, The Never-Ending Argument. There were three vicious letters to the editor in the Nero Nation, wondering what it was that conniving Lou Larowell had up his sleeve, proposing a winter carnival and a beauty contest. One of the letter writers made a comparison between President Clinton's Monica Lewinsky troubles and Lou Larowell's desire to assemble Nero's admittedly good-looking young women in one place for a beauty contest. Lou gave up on the winter carnival and is giving more thought to relocating to Florida or some sunnier climb, although he remains a Nero booster at heart. I was only trying to do something good, he told his cronies at the morning gab session of the Golden Arches. Forget it, said one of his buddies. Nobody in this town is willing to try anything new. Even the Chamber of Commerce doesn't boost Nero. They simply tell people the city isn't as bad as its reputation. A Nero upbringing can mean success elsewhere. A Nero native has had excellent survival training. One of the great ironies about Nero is that the city's native sons and daughters do very well when they seek their fortunes in the outside world. Every so often, the Nero Nation, the local paper, does a where-are-they-now story about the immigrant kid from Nero who went on to be a major star in Hollywood, the local basketball standout who's a coach in the NBA, the high school football star who's now an investment banker, or the former local tough who's a top-ranking officer in the military. Nero natives are successful doctors, lawyers, teachers, performers, politicians, technology masters, and captains of industry in other parts of the country. Wanda Tamburino, the office manager and constituent problem fixer for Nero's popular congressman, contended that growing up in Nero prepares people for success anywhere else in the country where there are more opportunities than in the declining hometown. She maintained, whatever little bit you get here you have to fight for. People here are good-hearted in a way, but they're so frugal and stubborn they don't give each other much help in business. She continued, with all the people I've helped during the years, You'd think I'd have it made if I went into business around here, but I wouldn't count on it. Nero people might pull a drowning woman from the creek, but she'd be on her own once they got her to shore. I spoke with Wanda when we met at Nero's struggling downtown chain hotel for lunch one Saturday. The problems of the downtown hotel are a case in point. Three separate chains have tried to make a go of the hotel, 
an admittedly out-of-place, modernistic building, plunked downtown with the help of government financing during the free-spending days of 1970s urban renewal. You might think that local people would patronize the hotel restaurant, try to help the current operator keep the struggling enterprise going, instead of hastening the poured concrete building's addition to Nero's growing portfolio of vacant, boarded-up structures. The hotel lunch specials on Saturday included chicken tenders, honey mustard sauce, and coleslaw for $3.95. For $4.95, you could get toasted turkey and cheese with fries and a pickle. These are good prices for a hotel restaurant where the floor is regularly vacuumed, the furniture dusted, the plates and silverware clean, and the wait staff attentive. The crowd, however, was slim. In Nero, even $3.95 for lunch is at the upper end of the can't-go-wrong at this price scale. Nero folks would rather frequent places where the luncheon bill is closer to $2.99, even if the floor in the cheaper place only sees a mop every so often, the outside walls cry out for a can of paint, and the luncheon silverware bears traces of breakfast eggs. Wanda told me a Nero native has had excellent survival training. He or she can usually run right over some poor soul from a richer part of the world. People in Nero argue over things that make no difference outside this environment. Growing up here is good training for success somewhere else. Sometimes you wonder if one of the wildly successful natives will feel sorry for the hometown, come back, invest some money to improve things. I believe a successful country singer did that for her hometown in the South. Wanda doubted this would happen, and she's probably right. Nero is the place that people leave if they can, and live in only if they have to. First off, somebody who left Nero and made a fortune would not likely throw money away on such a sentimental project as helping the hometown. Even if the Hollywood star, for example, started pumping money into the old hometown, Nero people would be skeptical, frugal, a bit standoffish. They would speculate and agonize over what the movie star's real motives could be in spending money in Nero. Of course, they'd cash whatever of his checks they could. Probably, they would not go too far out of their way to help him succeed. We're about to hear how people have reacted to stories from Nero. One columnist thinks we should spend more time talking about the role of women. Another columnist is simply appalled at the negativity of Nero. Before we hear those tales, let's bring John Shalino back to perform his song, Bear Mountain Road.
This is Bob Cudmore. That concludes Episode 6 of You Can't Go Wrong. When we get to Episode 7, we'll have some back and forth with some of the readers of the Nero stories in the pages of the Daily Gazette.